0: welcome back you're listening to the 24 faithful podcast i'm bradley adams your host joined as always by joel wood now joel this week we're back after three weeks off and we finished season eight last time we were here which means that we've got live another day to do now and my question my first question to you is when was the last time you saw live another day before i i'm assuming you're re-watching it for this now
1: last time I rewatched it was probably the last time we covered it. When me, you and uh what was it, Mark?
0: I don't think I was here for that.
1: One of us covered it. <laughs> I think it was either me, you, Mark, or me, Mark, and Josh. One of those one of those uh those groups there. But that's Probably been uh been about five, six, six years since I since I did it. Cause I know in the lead up in the lead up to uh Live Another Day, me and Mark kinda went back and rewatched all the previous eight seasons, kind of like we're doing now. And uh yeah, that was probably the last time I saw it. So i would say about 2015.
0: Mm. I know the exact time I last watched it, which was around Christmas 2014. So I haven't actually watched it since the year it aired. Um, so a slight forewarning that my usual knowledge base of everything and every everything that happens in 24 may not be quite as expansive in Live Another Day because I simply don't know it that well. But, um, that's a concerning thought.
1: I think, you, I think you'll live Bradley, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's, I will. It's
1: it is it is it is possible for you to not know everything so
0: well yeah possibly possibly maybe by the end of the rewatch i'll be very confident on it we'll see so jumping straight into it i mean we pick up uh 4 years after day 8 so jack's been on the run for all this time and he's picked up by a local cia station in london this is where we are now we're in over here in my country and um turns out actually jack didn't just get sloppy and get caught. He wanted to get caught because Jack never does anything without intent. And the whole point of it was that he wanted to break out Chloe, who was being interrogated by the CIA's Special Activities Division. And she works for a organization called Open Cell, who are devoted to uncovering and publishing government secrets. Um, they're a sort of free speech, um, free information activist group. And Jack needed to get to them because one of their um, one, of the, one of their players, I guess, uh, Derek Yates, is involved in a potential terrorist plot. So that's where we start. Um, it's a very surreal opening episode, actually. I remember very, very vividly uh, watching it early on, what would it have been, the Tuesday morning over here, um, that I, I got hold of it, and being kind of quite fascinated, actually, that for the first time in 24History, we didn't start with the title and, and we, we get, we jump straight into Jack and the CIA chase of him. And then it ends up being 31 minutes before he says a word. It's, it's so bizarre. The whole thing feels, I mean, it, it feels like 24, it, you know, it, it it's very much in the 24 vein. It has that atmosphere that you want, but there's just, that that's one of the key things about it that kind of takes you aback and you think, Oh, okay. That's different. It
1: did a good job of uh, building anticipation. I think part of the reason they may, have, they may have cut that is because of the format of the season. You know, the fact that there's only 12 episodes instead of the usual 24.
0: But it's still, it's okay. still there. It just appears after Jack gets captured.
1: Yeah, but you want to you jump right into the action. And the fact that it took you said it was thirty one minutes
0: yeah it's thirty one minutes and six seconds on the um the Amazon prime uh clock that I checked
1: a little longer than that, but the fact that first of all as soon as they as soon as they ran up on him, you could tell that something was that something was wrong because number one. You know, Jack. It's the middle of the daytime, and Jack's just sleeping in a random warehouse. He supposedly got tipped off that he was in said warehouse. It seemed unJack-like from the get-go. When they busted in on him and they started, and they started running through the warehouse. You kind of got this sense that it's usual twenty-four, but you kind of got this sense that something wasn't what it seemed and even more so when jack when jack went outside instead of to the roof uh like kate morgan had pointed out so that was your that was your first verbal warning that something wasn't what it seemed i mean you could kind of if you if you're an avid viewer of 24 you kind of got the idea that, you know, something was up, but Kate verbalizing it was pretty much your confirmation that, okay, something's not, I mean, he didn't, he didn't just lose all of his skills in four years. So something is not, something is not what it appears to be.
0: Yeah. It, it is very, um, very different feeling. And i I feel like he's quite right that they. It works, you know. I, I wouldn't have wanted to see Jack come in and and sort of. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's hard when he's on the run for him to be normal. Jack. There kind of has to be this level of. Um, I don't know secrecy and 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 trying to deceive the CIA. Like there's, this, this really fits with what we know about Jack. I think. And particularly when it comes to the point of saving Chloe, which obviously he's gonna save Chloe, but it's not a surprise that this is ends up being what this is about. Um, but equally it plays into it quite nicely that actually he's kind of he's there to save Chloe, but he's also not there to save Chloe, who's there to follow up on a lead. Um and, and trying to stop this threat. And that that's right, you know, there are a lot of things that we'll talk about with Jack where he's very different from the first eight seasons but this heroism approach this this desire to stop bad guys from doing bad things terrorists from committing terror acts and, and saving heller and saving london and, and whatever that's still there and i think that's quite right that that is the the motivating factor for him in this first episode from from when we meet him even if we don't know it everything he does from minute one and and pre-minute one because obviously he places the call to uh, that, that gets himself caught before eleven a.m. before we before we jump into the action. All of it is is based on his desire to save the day. So you know there are some things about Jack that don't change. This is the key one.
1: I think it also has a lot to do with who the president is at the time. I mean, he even he even says and in a conversation he so clearly later that he feels like he owes the Heller family because remember, remember, you know take a step back and remember the last time that James Heller and, and Jack Bauer were in the same room together. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly a, a, a positive meeting.
0: It kind of fits in with um, Adrian Cross's line of uh, anybody ever mentioned your rather rude habit of asking for favors accompanied by the threat of a gun. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that just, that was exactly what it was. It was, you know, I'll shoot you if you don't take me to Audrey. Uh, Yeah. So yeah. And uh
1: you know, then who can who can forget the line that Heller says where everybody that around you ends up dead, which is kind of an ominous warning considering what happens later this season um <laughs> but it 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 kind of feels like Jack wants to make amends for all that he put hell of family through. I mean, of course he wants to save the country, even though it's not his country, but he still wants to save the country. Um, he doesn't want an American president assassinated, but at the same time, he feels kind of a connection based on who the president is and the fact that, you know, what it would do to Audrey. So these factors are probably weighing heavily on Jack that would cause him to come back. Because, I mean, let's take the previous four years. You know, how many... How long has he been planning this? Is it just like a week, two
0: weeks, a year? We find that out uh, that it's been like a month, isn't it, when he goes to Karl Rask. the the plot line we'll talk about next week. But I think it's been a month.
1: Yeah, so... It would have to take a lot to get him to come out of hiding after four years, and I something tells me that if it was a regular president that he didn't have a history with or he didn't have a connection with, it probably would take a little bit more to bring him out of hiding, because he knows that once he comes out of hiding, he's going to be on uh, the radar for not only the United States, but the Russians because I mean let's let's jog everybody's memory he killed half of their Federation last in <laughs> four years ago. So I mean including almost killing their president. So it's it would take a lot to bring him out of hiding. And I think not just a president but who the president was is probably a more of a motivating factor in him coming out of hiding than just saving the president.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, he didn't really need to come out of hiding because there already is a Jack Bauer in this series, and that's Kate Morgan. And we see that from basically the first time we meet her. Um, the, The bit where you mentioned before about her saying that he'll go to the roof and then he doesn't, and she's confused. And then things like him, uh, sorry, her taking Bashir to that gang who want to kill him um, when he won't give up with the information. And, you know, the, the the way that he she busts in and interrogates Jack and, and manages to get that response out of him, identifying that he's there to break someone out or he's there for someone. It's instantly clear that Live Another Day is positioning Kate as the next Jack. And I think there was a chat, I remember this, that there was kind of chat that. It, I can't remember whether it was before or after the shit, the series that Yvonne Strahovski, they kind of pitched it as, or, or they were positioning it as potentially they could do a season 10 without Jack. And this was kind of like a transition thing where Jack's in it and she's in it. And then assuming that we all like her, that she becomes Jack in uh, future seasons and that 24 can just carry on for many more beyond live another day. Obviously that didn't come to pass, but um yeah, how do you feel about the fact that she is just Jack
1: 2.0? I like Kate. I don't know if I would necessarily call her Jack 2.0 because it would take a lot of bad days for her to
0: be for her to be <laughs> as hardened as Jack. I mean, she's clearly had some off sc- off off camera and this is another a pretty bad one for her as well. But at the same time,
1: Jack kind of did need to come out of hiding. Um, because if uh, if you remember correctly, um, before he came out of hiding, um, she was set to be
0: sent stateside. Oh, yes. How could I possibly forget? Because they remind us every single time that she's on <laughs> camera. This is the one, the one thing that I don't like about Kate is that for the first, I don't know how many hours, I've only got up to six, but it keeps happening still. They always mention Adam. They always mention the fact that her husband was dirty and she missed it. And it's like, okay, fine. Maybe mention it a couple of times, but beyond that, just we know. Like, we know we're paying attention. You don't need to keep telling us. Normally, I would agree with you,
1: but, you know, I was kind of turned off by it at first as well until, you know, later on in the season when I saw the payoff, when I saw that, okay, they were mentioning it at 5,000 times for a reason. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you can because you can totally they, tell that there's a reason for this. That this isn't just you know we're mentioning it because let's let's mention it. Like it's obviously going to have lead to something. But yeah, I I still feel like it's just overdone. Through the through the first through the first
1: quarter of an episode, I don't think she was really there as far as willing to do whatever it takes, um, like Jack, to get the job done. I think she got there after or on the way to uh call rask i think that was the moment where kate got it where kate got to the level of doing what needs to be done you know when she just sat there in the car and just stuck herself with the with the needle and you could see the look on jack's face like he's (laughs) like, like jack didn't even know what was going on um it's they, that's when I really started to see like, okay, Kate is, and then you know the whole the whole scene where she was being portrayed and everything like that. We'll get to that later, but that's when I first started to think that okay, this she might be like Jack before that. it just seemed like she was just a rough and tough agent who wanted to who wanted to make amends for. Adam, um, who wanted to do the right thing and also show them that they made a mistake by uh, sidelining her. That's the the impression I got before that, was that she was just trying to make make an amends for the past as opposed to kind of being like
0: Jack. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like both are true. Like She's clearly trying to make up for the fact that what happened with adam and trying to prove herself and trying to prove to to everyone that actually she is really good um but i think there is i i I do feel like there is a, a part of this that is just let's take all of jack's best traits and give them to kate as well and and see how it goes and it works for me i think this is this is among the quickest i've ever been sold on a character in 24 like completely sold um probably 15 minutes into the first episode and i'm all in that's, uh, that was that was quite impressive for me, I think. You mean it took you longer to get sold on Eric Carter? I don't recognize that name, Joel. <laughs> that must have been in some sort of spin-off show that we don't acknowledge on this podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, and all this time, I thought that was your second favorite 24 character.
0: No, funnily enough, it's not.
1: I, w- I was sold on her. I liked her too. I mean, obviously, if they wanted to... If they wanted to do the spinoff series, they had the tools. I'm just, I just wasn't too sold on the supporting cast around her. Like she was, she was good, but you know, in 24, you always have you have Jack, but then you have a good four or five characters around him that you know, you can lean on that you focus on other than Eric and maybe Jordan. There aren't really any other characters that they focus on. So it's like the 100% of the focus is on Kate, which I think is, which I think is good because she's a, she's a good actor. I just, I just think that in terms of the supporting cast around her, it wasn't as strong as previous um versions of 24. Um but Kate as but Kate Morgan as a character, I even said it during the time when I was uh doing this podcast with uh with Mark, I believe, that I would be that I would be on board with a um season ten of twenty four with Kate Morgan as long as they ended Jack's story the right way. If they gave Jack a proper send-off, um, I'll be on board with them continuing Kate Morgan's story.
0: Mm. I mean, in terms of the supporting cast, I, I do like Jordan a lot, although he's not he doesn't have a very particularly prominent role, um, certainly not in these four episodes. Stephen Vara is okay for the moment anyway. We'll talk about when he doesn't become okay later on. Um, and Eric is terrible. I, I really don't like Eric. But um, the thing is, like, th- there is a dynamic that... It it feels like they kind of uh, claw back on the supporting cast because you've got Jack and Chloe as sort of uh, sorry Jack and Kate as sort of co leads and then Chloe's the support to them both, and then after that you kind of don't need anyone. It's a weird thing because Twenty Four's always been Jack first, apart from that one episode in season six that I hate, and like so you've always had Jack is sort of the the main guy. And then you have the likes of Chloe and Tony and Edgar and Michelle and Bill and Curtis and Milo and whoever who are around them because, like, one character is a lot to put all this stuff on. Whereas when you've got two characters, and particularly now with 12 episodes, two characters that are very similar that you can put in this situation and sort of have this great rapport that they do have, the need for these supporting characters is, is lessened, I think. And, and we've obviously spoken before about things with Kim and Terry and the cougar and the amnesia and the weird guy in the, the middle of the forest and all these other side plots that we don't particularly like. And although there is a lack of supporting cast at, at the CIA, it does feel like we're missing some of that potential baggage that we've just you know, we can focus on the things that matter. Um so yeah, I'm not too I'm not too bothered about the the weaker supporting cast.
1: It's okay for I guess for this season for Living of the Day, I guess it's all right. But when I was when I was thinking about a possible season ten of twenty four without without Jack. Um because obviously if Jack's not there, Chloe's not gonna be there either. So then you got just Kate and her somewhat weak supporting cast. Yeah, it doesn't lend so, itself to continuing the story, does it? Not not really. I mean, I don't I don't hate I don't hate Eric as much as you do. But
0: he's awful st- in these first four <laughs> episodes. Come on. He's
1: so annoying. Well, he's he's the He's the typical, you know, he was brought in to replace Kate. And now he's finding out that he's got to work with Kate. So he has the predisposition of Adam was a traitor and Kate knew and Kate, well, didn't know about it, but couldn't see it. So he's got this predisposition that how can Kate be a good agent if she didn't even notice her own husband was selling state secrets? I think he became more tolerable once he started actually working with Kate. And he started coming around to the fact that, okay, you know, Kate is a good agent. So when he started to become less of an antagonist and more of a protagonist, then he started to become more tolerable. But it took a few episodes for that to happen. Um, Before that, he just came across as, you know, a whiny a whiny kid who didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. So that's <laughs> that's what he came off as before that. But as a co or as a second lead that he would have been had there been a season ten, he would have been he wouldn't have been a lead like K, but he would have been in probably that Curtis level. I don't know if I would have bought into that. Um
0: you're saying he, that Kate would have killed him in some sort of weird uh, saving the terrorist because he's useful to us type scenario. There, you mean?
1: Well, there was, there, I mean, there was times during season nine where I thought she was going to kill him. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I mean, uh, I, 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 I could I could see that. Um, but you know, the rest of it, I guess Jordan. I guess Jordan was there. Chloe. I guess then they, he would have been around for season 10, which we'll get into why, but he wouldn't have been around for season 10. So they would have had to come up with a new tech wizard, and I just don't – it would have been a lot of work for season 10 to build a good supporting cast around Kate Morgan, Um, which at the time I can't remember. I know I read up on a lot of it, but I can't remember – if the actress was even keen on playing uh, 24 past season nine. Um, But I do remember saying that other than Chase and Tony, obviously she was probably the only one that I would consider leading a 24 cast without
0: Jack. So uh, from this, then we go to Jack taking over the U S embassy so Derek Yates had been uh, had orchestrated a drone attack. He took over one of the uh, army, navy, one of them, air force, some some sort of military organization. I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, took over a drone, killed a squadron in Afghanistan, and obviously framed the the drone pilot uh, uh, Chris Tanner, who is played by John Boyega before he became famous, uh, which I enjoy. Um, and Yates is killed by his. Girlfriend, who's actually the daughter of Margot L. Harazi, that's Simone. She steals the override device that he's built uh, for themselves. And Jack realizes that going after the flight key of tanner is the way of finding who's behind this terrorist plot. So he breaks to the US embassy, um, shoots a couple of protesters to do this, to get in and then uh, takes some hostages as he tries to upload the flight key data to Chloe so she can analyze it and find a lead. Um, I think if anything was to ever indicate that Jack is no longer an outright good guy, even if he ever was, we've talked about that many times before, but the shooting of two innocent protesters and then taking of more hostages, which is somehow this is a common theme on 24 that Jack takes hostages. I don't get how this keeps happening but it does. <laughs> but I think this is a good indication that he's no longer just an outright good guy. Mm, I don't. I mean, because I mean... Shoots two guy, he shoots two innocent people outside in
1: the leg. Like, come on. Yeah, but I mean, let's remember, you know, it's not the first time Jack's taken some hostages.
0: Well, Again, um, this is my point. Like, come on. He keeps on doing this. How do you keep on getting into situations where you have to take hostages, Jack?
1: I know we just got done rewatching all these seasons, but I mean, I'm, I could probably think of at least one other instance where he might have, you know, hurt an innocent person. Oh, there are um, quite a few, I think. <laughs> so I mean, it's not like it's out of the ordinary. I mean, he gra- he grazed him in the leg, which I think was his intention.
0: Yeah, because I sh- I-, I pulled the trigger, Mister President things
1: like that that show that Jack is not as unhinged as everybody around him seems to think he is at this point. See, you know, everybody around him from the people at the CIA to Heller to, uh, Mark Boudreau, who is probably in my top five of most annoying characters in 24 history. Um, you know, they think he's just this unhinged lunatic this that, you know, killed all of these Russians four years ago. To an extent that is true. Is it though? Well, I'd say I mean, he's a bit he's, of a lunatic
0: and he definitely killed the people,
1: so But he was he was unhinged and unwilling to listen to reason four years ago. He wasn't he wasn't thinking logically.
0: Yes, he's you know, very this, much hinged again now, isn't he?
1: This this is a more calculated and logical thinking, Jack power Now, granted, you know, barricading yourself in a communications room with no way out, with a bunch of military people closing in on you, probably isn't the smartest move. But it's the it's what he felt he had to do at the time. And another example of that is when. You know, Jack tells one of the hostages where when Chloe tells him that the military is closing in on him, and you know he, you could tell that he's got something up because he's he's asking these very specific questions like, what angle are they coming from? Are they wearing vests? You know, he's he's already thinking of this in his head. So once Chloe says yes, to wearing vests. They're coming from this angle. So he tells one of the hostages to open the door. And then as soon as she opens the door, he, you know, puts a bullet into, into one of the, one of the military officers chest, which at the time you're like, well, that's not Jack Bauer. He just shot an, 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 innocent, you know, military officer who's serving this country, you know, why would Jack do that until you realize that He did that because the officer was wearing a vest. If he wanted, to, if he wanted to kill him, he would have put a bullet in his head. Uh, how so, many times
0: have we heard the line? If I wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jack is especially, you know, as as point blank range as it was. You know, Jack wanted. If Jack wanted to kill you, you would be dead. So and he he mentioned he mentioned that too and you know that's when that's when you start to notice kate starting to and you know this happens a lot right in 24 whenever jack goes rogue you know eventually it just starts as jack against everybody else and then one by one they start to come around you know it starts off as just one person and then one by one they start to come around to okay well maybe Jack's not such a lunatic after all and I, this is when Kate first starts to kind of come around that maybe Jack's not as crazy as we thought he was even even though he portrays he gets portrayed as this unhinged lunatic who doesn't know what he's doing he shows, especially in in those in those scenes, the one with the protesters, and the one in the communication room, that he's just as logical and calculating now as he was before.
0: Yeah, yeah, and w- and with that, Kate actually thinks about things quite quite well. Um, you know, her plan to get into to the room with Jack and save him, having come around to his way of thinking. And then the way that she actually pulls it off, arresting him and, and taking custody. I mean it's basically it's basically Jack's own plan. The one that he tried to use with Chloe in the original series finale. It's just executed with actual competence and not really badly. <laughs> it actually works this time. Um so that was quite nice. But um yeah, I I really love this sequence. Uh I really love the phone call, particularly between Jack and Hella. The first time they've spoken to each other in eight, nine years. I can't think of the math off the top of my head, but it's been a very long time since season six in this world. So having this conversation where they get to talk again and, and Jack explains himself and Hella, I mean, Hela is seems open to his way of thinking um, and Jack is is fairly convincing. I really like it the way he ends it with the, I always told you the truth line, which... I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt it's true. Although there may have been lies. I mean, technically, technically they lied about their relationship, her and him and Audrey at the start of season four. But you know, we'll let that one pass. Um, direct lies, I, I think I'd probably believe believe Jack on that one. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I I do really like this. I think it's a very nice um, way to sort of show again what Jack's capable of. Not
1: telling the not telling him about the relationship and lying to him about the that's relationship.
0: Why, that's why I've let it off. That's two why I've di- let it off. Two, y'all. Di-
1: two different things, Bradley. That's okay. why I've let him have it. That's and why I've let him have it. So we're, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that because, you know, if you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah, well, so I'm, I'm going to give him a pass on that. But one thing, and I like that they kind of played up to their history <laughs> instead of. Pretending like it didn't happen, you know when, like when Heller got on the phone with Jack and he said something to the effect of, I can't remember word for word, but he said something to the effect of, you know, uh, it's been a wh- it's been a while since we've talked. I kind of liked it that way, so you can tell that there's still some, just a little hint of resentment um, from Heller to. To Jack. I mean, uh, yes, he saved Audrey's life countless times. Um, yes, Audrey is, for the most part, completely back to normal from the vegetative state that she was in in Season 6. But Heller still has that little bit of resentment toward Jack for, you know, the way, the way things ended between them. Even though he's not He's not keen to the idea as Boudreaux is of just going in guns blazing and killing Jack because of their history. At the same time, he's not completely as... Because remember, in season four and season five, you know, if Jack needed Heller's help, Heller would, without hesitation, just help him. It doesn't even... I mean, even to the the point of risking his own safety. You know, Heller would help Jack regardless of what he needed. But in season nine, or in in Live Another Day, it's not that easy. He takes a little bit more convincing because of the way things soured between them. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic to play off of because – It's not the usual, you know, in past seasons where the president just, for the most part, just takes his help, regardless of the reasoning behind it. I like that, you know, they played up on the history and it took Heller a little bit more convincing, especially when you add the Marc Boudreau-Audrey factor in there.
0: Mm. Well, let's talk about Heller for a bit, because he's obviously president in this season. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's managed to happen. I I, I buy it. I'm I'm on board with it. Um, And he's in London to get the UK Parliament to extend the lease of a military base and support the use of the drones that they've been using. Um, He's also suffering with some as yet unknown illness, which is affecting his mental functions. Now, this one's weird, because it's not mentioned. So the first four episodes it's only ever talked about in those kind of vague terms about his, um, you know, he wouldn't be symptomatic for another year. And the conversation about the, uh, the Roosevelt's the the mixing up of those. And I think, I think that's the only mistake he makes in this or, or, or rather apart from the, uh, the, the name, which we'll talk about in a second, but I think that's the only one of the only major, major mistakes he makes in this four episodes. And it, it's strange because you kind of, it almost feels like they're introducing him as a new character. Like that, that, that's kind of the vibe I get from the way that they approach that, which is that there's this layer of mystery around it, as though that's a reason to try and become invested in this character. When, we, you know, we still, we know Hella. We like Heller for the most part, I think, even despite his uh, warnings against Jack at the end of season six. I think there is still a lot of sympathy for him, and you can kind of understand his point of view from that season. And so, when you when he turns up as president here, I think I think pretty much everyone's going to be on his side, uh, particularly when you throw in Audrey. So I, I do find it very strange that they don't refer to his his Alzheimer's, which is what it ends up being, until much later on. I I, I do find that weird.
1: Well, I also I also chalk it up to you can only cram so much in the 12 hours. I think what what they did more than anything was they tried to rely on the viewers of 24 having watched previous 24 seasons. So I think they were kind of banking on the fact that people that watched 24 already knew of Heller's history as opposed to trying to explain, you know, how or not how, but when he came down with Alzheimer's. You know, the those are, those are really the only two mistakes that he made in those first few episodes, but it's also hinted at a few more times, like when he wanted to go in front of Parliament and Mark said, you know, it's not good for somebody in your condition. It kind of ramps up a little bit, and especially in the the next set of episodes that we'll talk about next week. But it's, it's... It's a situation where they wanted the... They knew that they were bringing back Jack and, Ch- and Chloe. But they wanted a... But at the same time, the versions of Jack and Chloe that they're bringing back aren't exactly the most sympathetic characters. So I think bringing Heller back is this... Because he's a, he's a sympathetic character. Everybody uh, feels sympathy for Heller and everything that he went through, especially with Audrey. So he's, he's got that, he's that antagonist within, or antagonist, protagonist within the government. <laughs> because if Jack is going to get his message out, he has to have an ally in the government. And it's usually, um, with a few exceptions, you know, like the tail end of season eight and season five, obviously, it's usually the president. The president is usually his ally within the government. So having him have a, a good relationship with the president is obviously a key point in any season of 24, um, ever, since season, ever since season two, really so from that from that aspect, I kind of understand it, but Heller as a character, I thought there was a there was some they really didn't have that i mean other than when they when they were you know standing at the the in Wembley Stadium, other than that, there wasn't really that fence mending conversation between Jack and Heller. There wasn't that conversation where. They hashed out everything. They went over everything that happened, you know, especially toward the end of season six and kind of mended fences a little bit. That was probably my only gripe about Heller's involvement in the season is because I thought that they needed that conversation before Wembley Stadium and before Heller told Jack that he was best going to sacrifice himself.
0: Mm. And you mentioned there as well the scene with Mark uh, doubting the when, when Heller wanted to go in front of Parliament and explain out the, the, the drone thing. There is a great I, I really love the scene that follows that of him grilling Heller and, and pretending like they're in that situation. And I mean, Audrey is horrified by it when Mark just doesn't back down and, and, and humiliates him. But she's wrong. And, and Mark is absolutely correct to go to the length that he does because Helen needs to know what he's going to be up against. Like, if you softball him now and he thinks he's fine, then he, he he falls down in front of everyone else. Like, you, you failed to do your job. So I think he goes to the exact correct length of, of shouting at him um, and, and, and probing him. Uh, Audrey's in the wrong. Hella, I think Heller acknowledges this. To be quite honest, I, th- I think he he realizes that Marx pushed him and 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 was right to begin with. I'm still not entirely sure how he managed to stand up in front of Parliament and and it work. Um, and I don't particularly like that scene for many reasons. One of which is the over exaggerated accent, which you kind of I notice there. And then it kind of every time a British person in the show speaks, I think right, okay, you've just you, you, you try to make it sound over exaggerated, like this isn't a thing stop it and also the fact that like he's <laughs> he's he's so on the back foot in that scene at the end of what is it one till 2 p.m and then we cut into it like six seven minutes later into sorry six seven minutes into the next episode and he's wrapping up his speech and it's like he's he's given the greatest speech of all time and i think well okay but a i don't i don't believe that we've gone from where we were before to where we are now and b if we have can we see some of it please because it's just it just seems a weird place to cut it out and yeah so yeah but but i'd say the the scene with mark questioning him and and we'll we give a lot of slack to mark and we certainly will next week with some of his actions but um a jerk. Yeah, I, I I do really like that, that he does that, takes that approach. That's the sort of thing that he should be doing. Do you not agree?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, Heller kind of needs to know what he's up against. Unlike,
1: unlike you, I actually liked the scene in front of Parliament because I probably would have got a little bit bored if I just watched him just fielding questions and answering questions and stuff like that. Probably would have bored me a little bit, so them kind of skipping to the end where he makes his final speech and everybody gets up and starts clapping and, you know, stuff like that.
0: I think it's just, I don't you believe kind of, it as a reasonable thing, knowing the UK government.
1: Well, you gotta, you gotta take your, 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 uh, what is it? <laughs> what, what is it? Your, uh, I've got to look at this as a country neutral. Pride out of it. I've got to look at this as a yeah, neutral, yeah. Yeah, you gotta look at it. Look at it from. Look at it from a uh, from an American point of view.
0: Okay, <laughs> <This> is...
1: <laughs> because if you look because if you look at it from you know your country's point of view, you know there's probably several things you could point out. Like, wait a minute,
0: they don't really do that. you know, all the great you thing know? about <laughs> this is I did this because in uh, after Simone kills Derek Yates she leaves that pub and I went and found it on Google maps. And then she goes into Kennington station. And I went, I'd like, I know that area a little bit and I went and found it on the map as well. And Kennington station is a 25 minute walk from that pub. And Jack gets there in like 30 seconds. He says it's over the road. And I'm just like, no, I'm no, I'm not having it. This is not, this is fiction. This is not how London looks. I don't like it. I'm not on board. Well, Bradley I'm gonna let you in on a little secret okay <laughs> hey, I don't know if you
1: know this or not but um the series is spent yeah I
0: know but like you know find a pub close to the station come on well maybe there wasn't a pub close to the station Bradley I'm sure maybe there was I'm sure there is next time I'm there I'll have a look also like it's obviously a filming quirk but when the 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 train pulls in and the first like four carriages are completely empty I I remember them talking about this at the time that they had to go round and round it took them all day because they obviously get one one bit of filming going from that station to the next station and then they've kind of got to get in the taxi or whatever and go back and set everything up again so 10 takes takes like three hours um, but I just love that the first few carriages are completely empty and then the one that Jack and Simone are in is just completely packed and I think you know what No a train pulling into Waterloo at one in the afternoon and having empty carriages no, I'm not having it. It's just not believable sorry Bradley, i'm sure I'm sure we can do probably a whole episode
1: <laughs> on the, the the intricacies of how they portray the the, the u k well there aren't Exactly on par with how things actually go there. I, I'm sure I would love that kind of analysis. I'm, I'm sure you would. I'll get Josh on the phone for that. Um, but I, I liked the, the scene with Heller in Parliament. Um, I liked it mainly because I didn't see it. Because, you know, he started talking and then they, would, they went away for a couple more shots and they came back and it was over. I kind of liked that. Um, because like I said, I would have been kind of bored just sitting here, hearing him answer questions for 10 minutes. So in that respect, I was kind of okay with it. Um, after, after Heller came out and then, you know, Mark got on the phone with Navarro and Navarro basically gave him the rundown of Jack taking the hostages and, basically telling Mark that, you know, us keeping Jack under the radar, I'm just letting you know that that is no longer going to be possible. So, and you can see Mark's face like, oh, Jesus. Now, because now Mark has to tell Heller about Jack. And I thought that (laughs) – out of all of the scenes that Mark was in, because like I said, he's he's probably my top five of most annoying characters in 24 history. But the scene with him and Heller and Audrey, and after the phone call between Heller and, and Jack, Mark basically lays out his plan and Heller's like, you don't know Jack, we do. And then mark goes into this speech about you're right i don't i just know of the the carnage that he leaves in his wake and do i need to remind you of the the carnage that he left in his wake 4 years ago when he killed like 15 russians and what he's done what he's done to audrey i thought that that, that was probably one of my favorite scenes of the the season Um, because, you know, say what you want about Mark, but technically he's right. Um, I mean, the last time that – the last time that Jack, Audrey, and Helen were in the same scene together, Audrey was in a vegetative state. And that was mainly because she went to China looking for Jack. Mark is right to – kind of hesitant on bringing Jack back into the fold because you know it's like Heller. it's like Heller told Jack in season six everything you everything you touch every person that you get close to pretty much ends up dead.
0: Mark was probably also worried for his own safety because Jack did kill Audrey's previous husband. Well,
1: yes. Yes,
0: yes, he did. And, uh, Jack,
1: you know, Mark Mark is well aware of Jack's history. Um, and he probably doesn't, you know, he obviously doesn't trust Jack. But at the same time, he doesn't want Heller to get clouded in his judgment of Jack. Because, like I said, even though there's a resentment, you know, Heller is not on board with just killing Jack. And, you know, Audrey is immediately against it. So we can tell that Audrey doesn't hold any resentment toward Jack the way that Heller does. Because you can tell that Audrey still has feelings for Jack. And I think that that is another thing that, you know, Audrey, it's like Mark said, Audrey never resolved her feelings for Jack. So I think that even though he was right in his commentary in that that scene, I think there was obviously, and Audrey points it out when they're together, that there's probably a selfish motivator behind it. But it was still one of my favorite scenes of the
0: season. Yeah, agreed. Now there's one other thing we've got to talk about, and that's Margot, who has a role, or it's not quite as big of a role in the next few episodes, but she has a role in these first few episodes. Um I get very Dina Aras vibes from her. I think that that's, you know, she's significantly more interesting, Um, uh, although I do like Dina, and, and significantly more evil um than Dina, but I, th- I think there is a familiarity there. I think she's probably the most... I hate popular. Dina. <laughs> do you hate Margot? No, I don't really hate Margot. I just, I hated
1: Dina's voice. Okay. Her voice, her voice just... Annoyed me to no end, which made me not like the character.
0: Okay. Well, Margot, I I feel like Margot is the most determinedly evil. Like, she's maybe not the most evil, but she's the most committed to her evil. I mean, the cutting off her own daughter's finger to get Naveed, her husband, to pilot the drones, it's just the, the length that this woman goes to. It's insane. Well, I mean, that's why you have nine other fingers, Bradley. I mean, (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, she didn't cut off her hand. I mean, that's not a justification for it, is it, Joel? Come on. Well, I mean, let's let's think about it here. I mean, she, she could have just cut she off cut off
0: the other fingers. She would have cut off the other fingers if Naveed had not accepted.
1: Well, cut off a finger one by one until he accepts. You know, that's why you got nine other fingers. So you got nine other tries. I thought it was brilliant, but. I'm... <laughs>
0: You know, I mean, Mario's not my favorite. Sorry, sorry. I just I can't get over that. You've just said that the, the cutting off someone's finger you thought was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was brilliant. Maybe that's, you know,
1: maybe that's a, a, a morbid view of me. But uh, I thought it was, you
0: know, I thought it was brilliant. Especially for when Jack threatened Walt Cummings. He didn't actually take out his eye. He was just going to.
1: <laughs> well, if Walt didn't tell him what he wanted to know, do you think Jack wouldn't have taken mm. out his eye? Yeah, but he did. We didn't get to that point. Okay, let's 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 think about this now. Jack cut off his own partner's hand.
0: Well, to ax. save his life.
1: To save his life. To be fair. Well, she was saving the mission.
0: Yeah, you got
1: to do what it takes to save the mission, Bradley. Wow! Oh, wow!
0: Right. Justification here.
1: <laughs> I mean, she could have she just put her wrist down and, you know, went all Jack and Chase on her and just cut her whole arm off. I think in the Annals of 24, Margot was probably in the back half of favorite villains. You know, she's not in the top five or anything to me. I mean, she was okay for the, for the first. She just, there was never a point where I, you know, like some villains, there was never a point where i thought she was going to accomplish her mission
0: well it's very minimal here like there's not even really a it's just she's getting some drones and she's getting i don't feel like i don't think we even really kind of get the the grasp of why she's doing it that i mean the video is in the next episode so in these in these first four she's just someone trying to to take control of drones and bomb london i guess um that it's very very vague and and that's fine. You know, that's that's fine for the early episodes. I'd say we get into it next week that, or, or the next episode that we find out her motivations. Um, but yeah, she's just she's just so committed to her evil. Staggering.
1: Well, you seem kind of disturbed by this, Bradley. But uh, <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, Simone does everything for her and she cuts off her finger. I also can't think of a single line in anything that I've ever seen. That is more Michelle Fairley than Mummy's Waiting, and I don't think I don't think there is a single actor out there who could actually say that and even moderately get away with it. Like Fa- Fairley is pushing the line as it is, like it it just about doesn't go off the deep end. It just about is okay. I don't think anyone else could have got anywhere near that. Yeah, I I, I could uh I could agree with that. It just sounded
1: so creepy, like when she said, "Mummy's waiting." You know, it's just—it it's, just—it just sends chivers. You know, it, it sends chills down your spine when you're when you hear it. So I think that she definitely had the evil factor down.
0: I think I think as well. There's a bit where like it just feels like she's maybe just not realized that she stepped off the Game of Thrones set. And on to the 24 <laughs> one. I, I you know I hadn't actually watched Game of Thrones before watching the another day, and now that I have and I'm re-watching this, I can only see Kathleen Stark. So that's uh that's curious. But anyway.
1: Eh, I guess I guess you could say that. It's uh there are certain er- there are certain actors and actresses that are uh, podcasts. like uh no matter no matter what series I see Kiefer Sutherland in, I'm always thinking. I'm just waiting for him to yell, "Damn it!" <laughs> you
0: know, we, just, get the f- the- we get the first one, and it's great at the end of episode two. Here, it's really good. Yeah, it, it took them longer than I thought it would. Mm. Well, <laughs> th- th- this is the thing when we have kind of—I was going to say new 24. It's not quite, but like you know, it—it's it, different, and it's a revival after four years. So you have that first Jack saying his first word, and then Jack like shooting the first guy, and then the first "damn it." The kind of like the iconic. Yep. Let's tick that off the checklist. Yep. We've got that. Yep. Yep.
1: There we go. More within the government. Okay. Check that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of there the certain things that you can guarantee are going to be in the season of 24. And mm. you just kind of check them off as they go.
0: <laughs> yep. Indeed there are. That wraps us up this week uh we've talked about the first four episodes next week we're going to talk about the uh next four episodes which is what three till 7 p.m um if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime talk about anything that we've already talked about or some stuff in future episodes um you can go to twitter at the 24 podcast you can go to the website 24faithful.com or you can leave a voicemail at 405-771-0567 and we can play that out on the show for you we'll be back next week. Hope you'll join us again then.